Hello and bienvenido San Antonio. Welcome to the Alamo Hour, discussing the people, places, and passion that make our city. My name is Justin Hill, a local attorney, a proud San Antonioan, and keeper of chickens and bees. On the Alamo Hour, you'll get to hear from the people that make San Antonio great and unique and the best kept secret in Texas. We're glad that you're here. All right, welcome to the Alamo Hour. Today's guest is Jorge Urbi of the Glider Group in San Antonio. Uh, Jorge and I have been friends for a while. Um, we actually took a break on the Alamo Hour, so we're getting back going. We've got Jorge on to talk about a few things. He's been tapped by our mayor, Ron Nuremberg, to run a campaign that the Express News called Build SA, but it's actually been now changed in name to SA Ready to Work. He is one of the most sought-after political consultants and political communications guys in towns. The San Antonio Express called you a heavy hitter. Did you know that, Jorge? I heard that. Somebody <laughs> told me that. Um, you've worked on Beto O'Rourke's campaign, Julio Castro's presidential campaigns. Um, you're very involved in our city, so thank you for being here. Hey, thank you, Justin, and thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, I think it's a great thing for the community and you know, I just appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, it's a new medium, and San Antonio is just so far behind on things sometimes technologically, and, you know, I wanted to be in the front end of this. And I get to interview interesting people. I had the mayor on as well. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so I always start and just kind of get a little bit of color commentary on who you are. Um, just a few questions, kind of background, your thoughts on San Antonio. When and why did you move to San Antonio? Absolutely, man. So I'm from Del Rio, Texas, originally. Uh, my family goes back there many, many generations and loved it, man. I loved growing up in a small town and the small community feel. But, you know, as as most people, when you turn 18, right, you start looking to wanting to go to college and what that experience is going to be like. So I went to school at Texas State and I was there for some years. And then um, really, what I always had like a kinship with San Antonio, man, because like I love the Spurs uh, you know, I grew up not too far away, so we would come up, you know, for family, you know, vacations or gatherings or something like that. And um, so I kind of always knew that I would end up here, but I did bounce around, definitely, uh, especially in my 20s and, you know, early 30s. And so um, I got involved uh, the, through the Castro brothers and other people, right, in the community and I just fell in love with it and the people. And so I just thought, you know, I want to make my life here. And so I, I really moved here. I guess it would be like late 04, maybe early 05, okay. something like that. And then I did a stint in, uh, in the Dallas area, Fort Worth area. Uh, I lived in D.C. for a while, Austin. And then I came back here. What was the uh, DFW run for? When I moved up there the first time, I was working uh, for the mayor of Fort Worth, actually. Okay. And so I worked at City Hall there and really came to love that city as well. But then I got an opportunity to move to Washington uh, to pursue my master's degree. I got a master's in public administration from American. And then I worked at uh, USDA and I worked at HHS. So. Okay. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So your big city was San Antonio. My growing up big city was Fort Worth. So I grew up two hours from Fort Worth. So yeah. that's where we'd go if we wanted to go to the big malls or one of those things. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of similarities, actually, you know, between the two cities um, that I found. And I, I like that city a lot. You know, I go visit when I can. My dad used to live up there uh, for a while. So I would go up and see him. He lives in Illinois now. 
So Del Rio reminds me a lot of kind of where I grew up, which is Wichita Falls, because they're both real heavy Air Force bases and kind of a regional big town with a lot of agriculture type, you know, country living people around. So they've always kind of reminded me very similar of one another. Um, I asked Ron, favorite hidden gem in San Antonio, and he said the Denman Estate Park, I think, was the one he said, and I'd never heard of it. Do you have any of these favorite sort of hidden off the beat play, uh, beat path? any hidden off-the-path places in San Antonio that you think are kind of these great hidden gems that you tell people, hey, you've got to go check this place out if you haven't been? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like the botanical gardens, I mean, I know they're sort of popular, but I don't know if, you know, a lot of people have been there, but that's a great place to check out yeah. if you haven't checked it out. Uh, the th You know what I love about San Antonio is obviously the hidden gems. There's great restaurants, for example, like uh, one in Southtown uh, called QP uh, V. And uh, I know a lot of friends of mine haven't checked it out. And I'm always like, man, it's a great place if you haven't, haven't seen it. But what I love about San Antonio is there's a lot to do in a lot of different places, right? Yeah. Uh, whether it's the north, the west, the south, the east, the, of, co of course, uh, downtown and Pearl. But then it's also the, the small cities kind of surrounding it, right? Like Green and Fredericksburg and Blanco and so you also get to experience that, and, and I think it adds to it, you know? Yeah, I hear those towns brought up, and I had a guy on my show who has the Texas Day Tripper program. It's a PBS program where he goes to Texas cities all over. He's done hundreds yeah. of episodes, uh, and he swears by Seguin, and I thought, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks it's great. You know what? Uh, I've been there maybe once or twice, and uh, they have like a nice little downtown, but I don't know it well. And they've got the river that runs through it and all that. Yeah. Um, who are your political heroes? Oh, man, that's a great question. I mean, there, I would say, you know, I admired Obama a lot. Like I thought some of the stuff he did was really good. I will caveat and say that there's never been a, a, a perfect person, right. Or somebody who served that I could say, Oh, I loved everything they did. Right. With either side. Sure. But I just admired the guy because, Number one, he broke barriers. Uh, number two, uh, such an eloquent speaker. And his character was unbelievable, right? The way he he carried himself, the way he was a family man, like all of that. Because I think that stuff matters, especially at that level, right? Sure. So I admired him a lot. Um, you know, one of the guys who helped me sort of grow and made me understand the way politics was, was uh, Congressman Joaquin Castro, who I think the world of I know him personally and I I can really say that his uh, heart's in the right place his brother same way um, Mike Moncrief man the mayor of Fort Worth you know he uh, I learned a lot from him working for him for a little over a year uh, very gregarious person got a lot done Bill White in Houston uh, honorable man super smart all these people, right, that I've, you know, I've been blessed uh, to work with and, and sort of count as mentors when I have a big decision to make in my life, I'm able to call them and, and they walk me through it. And, you know, uh, so those would be some of the people um, on the national level, uh, probably Obama and uh, LBJ in some ways, just because, you know, again, not perfect, did some things probably I didn't agree with, but I thought he got a lot done. You know, and, and, you know, he's a fellow Texan, so, you know, I, I have to add him in there. And his ability to influence people is just 
you know, they said there was never somebody that ran the Senate as effectively as he did. Oh, unbelievable. Like if you read the books by Robert Carroll, which I don't know if you have or not, yeah. but man, you're just like in awe of like the skill that he had to really get legislation passed. You know what I mean? And, and I, I don't even, I don't know if we had somebody that effective ever. The Johnson know? treatment, they called it. Yeah. I was just reading yeah. about this the other day. I watched his last interview he did, which I guess was with 60 Minutes. Um, you know, he was 67 when he died, I think. He was pretty young. Yeah, he was young. Yeah. Um, you've been involved uh, sort of on the political side in this city, which means you hear and see sort of the issues, and they are brought up day to day because politicians run on issues for the most part. Uh, what do you think personally are some of the biggest issues facing our city that kind of keep eluding us? No, absolutely, man. Look, so I have my business, right? Which is the, the glider group. I do communications, right? And I used to manage campaigns, right? And I've been involved in politics and government and stuff like that. And the reason I got involved with what I'm doing now is because of what you just asked. I've always felt, and I've heard other people say this as well, right? That San Antonio is missing that knowledge-based economy, right? Like sort of the, the jobs that pay higher wages, when companies look at the cities in Texas, we might get looked at, but they may go to Austin or Houston or Dallas or even Fort Worth, right? And it's kind of, we're the second largest city in Texas. Yeah. So we absolutely should be getting looked at and also landing those types of businesses, right? So for me, I mean, I, I think that's the main thing in San Antonio. Uh, our literacy rate is... Uh, not that high so i think investing in that um also what they did with the pre-k for sa which is investing early right because the studies show that it'll help in the long run um you know so you know homelessness i think is another big issue that needs to be dealt with in the city uh and of course covid uh showed us that we are absolutely in need uh of helping folks sort of break that generational poverty and elevate themselves so they can be, uh, create a better quality of life for them in terms of economics, right? And, uh, and so that's, for me, that's why I took a step away from the business, man, because this was so important. I said, you know what? I'm always talking about this. I got a chance to do it, so I'm going to do it. Do you think our sort of rising tide in the cybersecurity world is going to be sort of that wave that gets us where we need to be? Because every sort of city that has ended up with this, you know, high education, knowledge base, workforce has had some industry that has, you know, sort of brought them there, it seems like. And, you know, Rackspace didn't really do it for us, even though we kind of had this cloud community, uh, cloud computing thing pop up for a little bit. But it seems like maybe uh, cybersecurity will be that impetus to get us where it needs to be. Do you think that's, you know, a likelihood? Do you think that's going to be a small part of our industry or what's your thoughts on that? I think that's one of them, like for sure, man, like we we're doing a lot of work in that uh, sector. Right. But I think tech in general, I mean, if you look at uh, all these tech entrepreneurs that are moving to San Antonio, some of it's because they're getting priced out of Austin, sure. right? They're coming here and you're seeing these bubbles pop up and these folks are really uh, investing in the community creating this energy downtown like that I've never seen before. Right. And I used to live downtown yeah. and, and it's just, I think tech is going to help us get there, but 
there's other opportunities besides that that we need to build upon. Sure. You know? Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit because it sounds like SA Ready to Work is is exactly what we're talking about here. But talk to me a little bit about about sort of the Glider Group and your past. I spent some time working on campaigns. It's funny I worked on uh, Alex Sanders' Senate campaign in '02 against Lindsey Graham the first time he ran and did some field work in in Missouri and South Carolina. So I was kind of familiar with it. I thought about maybe working in politics, and I decided to go this route. You sounds like you're in communications sort of what got you to that end? Because in the, you know, in the politics side, there's all, you know, there's field, there's direct mail, there's communications, there's polling. What brought you to the communication side? Yeah, sure, man. So basically, so I've done all of that, right? I've worked enough in it that I, I got to see sort of every department division, every, every aspect, right. Of, of the political campaign. Right. And I honestly, I was going to go to law school. All right. I had moved up to Dallas. I was working in healthcare. I was working at Parkland Health and Hospital System. And I really love that job. Right. So I'm doing it. I'm really loving it. But I'm thinking, you know, I might just go back to law school because I've been doing this for a while. Well, I, I moved back to my hometown because we had a family tragedy and I wanted to be home with my family. Uh, this was about four years ago. So I moved back home, right? I hadn't been home in 17 years. Wow. So that was a long time. So I'm kind of getting acclimated to my community again, right? And I, I just sort of thought about it and I said, what do you really love? What do you want to do? Uh, and I think for me, it wasn't the legal aspect. I just sort of said, you know what? That's, that's just not really what I want to do. And I just really love communications, right? So I started thinking about what I was good at and what I thought I could put together. And that's why I, uh, I started the company. And so, and, and as you start anything, it's like you start thinking it one way. And then as you go, you start, sh you know, shaping it yeah. based on what it is that you can do, you know? So what does communications mean at the Glider Group? What type of services do you provide to clients? No, absolutely. So uh, strategy work, we do, uh, you know, production, so commercials, you know, documentaries, that kind of stuff. Uh, we do design, creative, uh, we do digital. It's, it's like an all-in-one because I felt, uh, I had studied the market, right? And I felt like there wasn't that many places that you could go to one place and say, I need all this stuff. And so that's why I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and see if I can get this off the ground. And I started with one client and then it was two and then it was three and then, and then it just kind of took off. And, you know, it's funny, man, because when I was younger, I worked really hard, like, you know, throughout my twenties and my early thirties, I was just really, really working hard. And that paid dividends without me even knowing, right. Cause you're not thinking that, right. I wasn't thinking this grand plan of I'm going to start a business and all these people I'm helping, like, I'm going to be able, you know, it's just kind of like, People remember me and, and they remember that I was a hard worker. So they gave me a chance and I'm, a, I'm about almost five years in, man. So it's, it's been a blessing. Is it any lobbying or more communication? Uh, okay. No, I don't lobby. I do public affairs sometimes. So education, you know, uh, letting people know, like sort of, uh, how to attack something or like, or like go or who maybe to talk to and stuff like that. But I don't lobby per se. Like I'm not ever trying to get votes for people or anything like that. And, um, and there's what a all, lot of good ones in town, but it's just not something we do. Uh, what all campaigns have you worked on? 
Oh, that's in a major role, I guess. How long is this show? How long is this show? That that our San Antonio listeners would know about. Sure, sure. So I was involved in uh, when Justin Rodriguez ran for state rep, uh, and then when he ran for commissioner, uh, Phil Cortez in the South Side. uh, You know, I helped Ray Saldana a little bit, uh, Julian for sure, Joaquin. uh, I did the count. So when Bill, not that it's not San Antonio specific, but when Bill White uh, ran for governor, I was in charge of Bear County for him. So okay. that was so I've done big county races. Tommy Calvert is another another one that I've helped. Um, now the mayor, of course, um, through this initiative. Uh, and and honestly, like one of the things that I wanted to do when I knew I was going to go into this was I wanted to know all of it from the grassroots all the way to the top, right? In both sectors, in government and in politics. So. I've worked school board races, for example, in Edgewood, and I've worked on presidential races. So all the way from school board to presidential. And then on the government side, I've worked at the local, uh, county, state, and national level. And I did that on purpose because I really wanted to know everything, you know? Um, So that's kind of how I did it for myself. All people campaigns, or have you done bond campaigns and initiatives, or is this your first foray into the no, initiatives? No, I've done I've done some initiatives. Like I did one recently uh, uh, for water, for example. Okay. Um, there was a, a campaign in, uh, to provide water infrastructure for communities that were lacking that right uh, throughout Texas, and so I helped. Uh, it was called Turn the Tap Texas. So I did that recently. Um, and then, of course, this one that we're doing now, SA Ready to Work, pre-K for SA, a uh, few years back um, in some ways. And so, yeah, I've been involved in, in both. Actually, I enjoy uh, the, the sort of initiatives or the propositions a lot, especially if I believe in them. Um, you know, because that's the thing, like if you ask anybody who moves in, I, you know, I'm involved, right? But I'm involved in the things that, I, th- I would like to do, right? Like, I'm like, um, if, it, if I think it's important and something that I really care about, like, I get involved and I go 110. So I'm not one of these guys, honestly, that's like jumping from campaign to campaign to campaign and, and just trying to help everybody, right? right. It's kind of like, yeah, I want to meet the person. I want to know what they're about. Are they really in it for the right reasons? And then maybe, okay, let's go. Or something like essay ready to work. I just think it's a game changer for the community. And I, I didn't want to not be involved, you know? So you've been named the campaign manager by Ron Nuremberg uh, for the essay ready to work campaign. Talk to me a little bit about how the mayor is involved in this initiative that has its own campaign and, and, and we'll talk about it, but seemingly its own financing for the campaign. Um, what is essay ready to work to begin with? Yeah, so SA Ready to Work is uh, a program that's going to help people um, get training and education to to get higher wage jobs, right? So what happened, here's how it happened. The mayor, COVID hits, right? And he's trying to help as many people as possible keep them safe first, right? Let's save lives. Let's make sure everybody's good. And then, you know, I don't know if you remember that photo uh, for the food bank that went viral. Yeah. The long the lines. Like, yeah. And, and basically what happened was the food line went from 60,000 to 120. Yeah. Right. Like that. 
So all of us are going, like looking at each other like, this is messed up, right? That's our city. Like everybody in the country, if, if you probably think of one thing that encapsulated that time, it's probably that photo. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, right? Yep. And it's like, you know what? Enough. Like we got to do something about this. And so the mayor sat back, because if you remember before that, he was really pushing something called SA Connect, which was the transportation initiative yeah. that he was trying to get past, right? So, you know, priorities had to shift. And it was like, okay, how do we like not let that happen again? So, uh, so that's why he came up with SA Ready to Work. And he's like, okay, like, here's what we can do. We can take money, right? Because there's a one eight cent tax, sell uh, tax that right now is allocated for aquifer protection, right? So it's like, okay, what if we take that money, put it into uh, jobs and training, right? And then take care of aquifer protection through the city, uh, basically for the next 10 years. Like, in other words, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. It's just a reallocation of funds. Imagine just taking money from one bank account and putting it in a different one. But it has to yeah. be voter approved to reallocate to the money. Yeah, exactly. How much money are we talking about? We're talking about 150 million. And yeah. is that in a single year? Is that over 10 years? What's the time span here? Actually over four years. Okay. So it's about $38 million a year. Okay. So yeah. the idea is we're going to take part of the aquifer protection money. And before even all of this, there was discussion about using some of that money to do the transportation piece that he yeah. was advocating, right? Yeah. yeah. So right now, it's an interesting time in San Antonio. You don't see this too much, but you have literally three things that are game changers for the city, right? Okay. You got PK for SA, which if you look at the data, has proven to be successful. You got SA ready to work, which is like, let's train our people and get them in higher paying jobs that exist right now. People have told us we're ready to hire. We can't hire within San Antonio. So we, we bring in people that aren't from here, right? Okay. Yeah. And then the third thing is uh, transportation. As you know, right, uh, you know, there's things that we need to do to uh, make our transportation system uh, be elevated, right? Whether it's technological advances or more bus routes or whatever it is, right? So uh, here's, what it, here's the way it's going to work, right, if it, if it passes, right? So pre-K for SA, it's on its own, right? Like you pass it. They're going to get the money and they're going to keep funding the program, right? And that's no new money. That's the same allocation that's been going on for the last four or six we're just, years. We're just renewing it. Okay. We're just renewing it. That's okay. it. And then on SA Ready to Work, the deal is, okay, we're going to reallocate the money, right? And and then that's going to be spent over four, year, four years, right? And then after that, that money will then uh, switch to transportation stuff, right? That was the big compromise. That was the compromise. Okay. And then the city has said, we'll always fund the aquifer protection program. So if you look at it, look, no new taxes. All you're doing is moving money from one place to another and everything is taken care of. Like, uh, and, and really, you know, I, I was talking to uh, Secretary Cisneros the other day and he said, you know, I don't know. And I mean, think about it. That guy did a lot for the city, right? Yeah. He's like, I don't know if I've ever seen this, though, something so comprehensive that's really going to push us to the next level. So 
from you know the environmentalist standpoint, does this mean the aquifer protection fund loses 150 million over four years? No, the city they're, is going to make up for that. The city's going to pick up the funding. And by the way, that was negotiated with them, so they're on board, right? The the environmentalists and the environment groups are supportive. You know, because they're like, well, shoot, we're going to get funded all the time. We don't have to go up for approval anymore, right? And what we're asking the voters is like, look, we got hit really hard by COVID. We already knew that we had a problem in our city with poverty and low-wage jobs and all that, right? So, okay, COVID exacerbates that, really puts a spotlight on it. So we're saying, let's do something about it. And this is a way to do something about it. And everything gets taken care of. Nobody gets uh, their taxes raised. Okay, so you and your position as campaign manager, your job is to get the message out and try to get votes for uh, yes on the, the on the election day, right? That's right. Okay, and that's yeah. in May? It's actually in November, November the 3rd. Uh, they got moved. They were originally supposed to be May and got moved. Did I read that? Yeah, it, so Pre-K for SA was going to be in May. Connect SA was going to be in November. Okay. And then because of COVID, they all got moved to November. And so really, you know, we've, SA Ready to Work has been really, honestly, moving since like mid-August because the city council had to pass it to make sure that, um, you know, that we did what we needed to do. Uh, through the council in order to put it on the ballot. And is SA Ready to Work currently funded with any money, or is it in a fundraising mode? What is what is the existence of SA Ready to Work right now? Yeah, we're definitely in fundraising mode. We've raised uh, about $200,000. We're trying to raise about a half a million because, as you know, there's a lot of communication going out there from a lot of different people. So we got to try to break through the clutter and the noise just to let people know what we're doing, right? Like, what is it about? So we're in like fundraising mode slash education mode, you know? And the fundraising is to get the message out. Exactly. Okay. Is, is SA ready to work a 501c3? Is it an advocacy group? What, what is it in its actual like existence? Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually a committee. And, okay. and honestly, I didn't even know about this. I was talking to a, a campaign finance lawyer the other day and he's like, you're technically not even a pack. It's really just like a committee uh, and it's so, I think it's called like a special purpose committee. Huh. And so anybody can donate actually like corporations okay. or so. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, that's what it technically is, you know? So no cares money is involved with SA ready to work. No, what, what happened was the cares money was used to start this program. Right. So it's going to help about 10,000 families. That's how many, so it's happening, right? What we're trying to do, we want to do a continuation of what the CARES money started. Okay. So the CARES money is going to, is going to help 10,000 people. And then this is a continuation of that. And we're hoping to help 40,000. So it's 50,000 total. And if you look at the ROI on that, I mean, let's just, I'll just make a quick example, right? Let's say the average that a person is making that does this makes $22,000 a year, right? double that to 42,000 and then multiply that by like 25 years, let's say that lifespan of the rest of the job and then throw that back into the economy, right? Cause they're going to spend, sure. and it's, you know, 
going to lift the city up. Yeah. So the return on investment, this program pays for itself. Okay, yeah, because some of the CARES money was used, I think, with San Antonio College or Alamo Colleges to create a workforce training program. Is that is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's through there, but it's also through like Project Quest and other places okay. like that. And what they're doing is they're using that money to help people who were displaced by COVID, right? And helping them uh, get retrained because a lot of jobs went away, right? Like, like a ton of jobs, just COVID hits, gone. Yeah. And they're not coming back. So it's like, let's retrain people and put them in, in careers that will ultimately pay them more money and hopefully uh, give them the ability to, you know, create a better quality of life for themselves. In addition to, hey, maybe you want to go back to college, right? So this is going to give you an opportunity to do two-year and four or a four-year program. It also includes money for wraparound services. So like if something happens where you're like, my car doesn't work or, you know, I can't pay this month's bills. Like you can apply for them to take care of you. So you don't stop getting trained. Right. There's also apprenticeships. Right. So, you know, it's, you get trained on the job. So you'll be making money day one and you're going to be learning on the job. So it's really a comprehensive approach, right? We didn't want to leave anybody out. We wanted to make sure everybody felt included. And so that's the way we, we, we built it. Okay. And that was getting me to my next question. Say this passes, this is a new program in San Antonio. I've lost my job. How does the process work? Do do I go meet with a counselor first or some sort of administrator and tell them what my plans or needs are and they help me find sort of what fits or how does that process go? Yeah. So there'll be an application, right? Uh, And then the city uh, economic development department will be running it. And, you know, the process is basically you apply uh, you let people know what happened and, and then, uh, and then, you know, if, if you're deemed like, you know, okay, like you should be a part of this program, then you'll be a part of the program in whichever capacity that you fit in. Right. And, and so, uh, and the, the beautiful part is, is that the companies that, um, like, you know, HEB, USA, Rackspace, you know, those companies have agreed that uh, they'll prioritize folks that, you know, were displaced by COVID and are running through these programs uh, to give them jobs. That doesn't mean that people are excluded. It's just that, you know, people will be helped if they're going through these programs. Not You're not going to go through a program and then not land anywhere, right? There's there's opportunity out there right now. Well, you have to be COVID displaced to get into the program? No. Okay. And then once you get into it, is there kind of five or 10 or 20 areas in which the retraining is limited to? Or is it, you know, anything and everything is involved? What sort of the pockets of of training that's being provided? Yeah, sure. So it's the things that you were talking about earlier, right? The emerging fields, right? Or the fields that need the help, right? Construction, trades, um, manufacturing, biosecurity, uh, cybersecurity, technology. Uh, so it's all, it's not everything, but it's the stuff that we are building upon in this community uh, and, and where we've heard that people need the help. 
Okay, so even like welding and some of these trades yeah, are going to be part absolutely. of this. Okay, absolutely. I didn't know that. Operators, you know, things like that. Yeah. That's great. Who is it within the system or who is it within the city that is managing this and determining what areas are needed? So Maria Villa Gomez, I think, is is a part of it. And I know they're looking to add to that. To that. She, she's overlooking it right now. But what, what I was talking to the mayor about just recently is that they're going to make that uh, part very robust. Like they're going to put more people in there. So they make sure that the program is run efficiently and effectively. Um, but yeah, right now it's, it's a lady by the name of Maria Villa Gomez and, and they're doing it through the uh, department of economic development. Okay. How many people are currently in the program that's sort of being administered under the cares act? Yeah. So what they're trying to do is help 10,000 people. I honestly don't know the exact number of how many they're starting to retrain right now, but I know that by the end of it, uh, it, they're going to do 10,000 people. And I believe it just started just uh, like three weeks ago. Okay. And when you say retraining, who's actually providing the training? Is it Alamo colleges and some of these other schools? Is it a really broad array? Who's, who's sort of the major partners within the city that are going to actually do the, do the work to retrain these people? Yeah, sure. So you've got the major universities, which is UTSA and Texas A&M San Antonio. You've got a nationally renowned program in Project Quest who's going to help out. You've got uh, the ACC, right, or uh, Alamo Community Colleges, right? And so those are some of the partners. And I know, for example, the unions are going to be involved with the apprenticeships. And so it's just kind of like a, it's like a holistic. We want to bring everybody to the table to say, number one, what is needed? And number two, who can help us? And so uh, they've been great uh, partners, very willing. How many of the big corporations in, in San Antonio have gotten involved and are, are the, is it public who's involved from the corporate side? Yeah, some people, uh, definitely USAA, <laughs> HEV, Rackspace, Toyota, uh, you know, Valero, New Star. I mean, so this is honestly, Justin, I've been shocked how much support there is out there. When we talk to people, um, they get it, you know, they get what we're trying to do and how we're trying to live the city and move forward. And they've been they've been not only uh, helpful with their public endorsement, right, to say, we're all for this, right? Because there was even a letter written by the major CEOs in town that said, we're about this and we're going to help the people that go through these programs, uh, but also putting uh, financial resources behind it. You know, HEB, for example, uh, committed $100,000 day one. That's great. I mean, it was like, we're going to start this thing. And they were like, we're in for $100,000. All right. When that happens, I mean, you got to take a look at that, right? And say, well, if they're coming in for that, we need to help out as, as well. Yeah. But this is going to help everybody. This will help small businesses. This will help, you know, uh, edu- in the education sector. This will help the big corporations. So, you know, that's the other thing. I, I really want people to understand that, yeah, it's going to definitely help, you know, certain industries and 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 certain um certain of of these big companies, but it'll also help small businesses. I mean, you're talking about uh, pumping billions of dollars over time into our community. Yeah. You know, I've always wondered why we don't have some sort of, I mean, I know we have code up now here where people can go get kind of a 
I don't know how quick it is, but it's kind of quick. You can get certified in a lot of different coding languages. Is coding going to be part of this program? Is, is there a partnership with CodeUp or Rackspace or one of these tech companies? Because that's a simple fix for a lot of people that should be offered in high schools is sort of what yeah. I think. But is that going to be part of this? Absolutely, man. I am totally in agreement with you. Actually, my cousin's a coder and I had dinner with him the other night. And I, he said the exact same thing. He's like, you know, coding should be taught the way math is. Yeah. Right. Because that's a skill that not only can you use for yourself, but you can monetize it. Right. If you want to like do stuff for somebody. Right. But I'm not um, going to monetize math. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not leaving and getting a job because I'm really good at addition. I mean, that's a very, very, very small percentage of people that can monetize that. But coding could be monetized and I've never really understood it. And absolutely. And think about it like this, like uh, you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. Right. What's the first thing we want to do is put up a website. Sure. Right. So, you know, learn how to do that. That's a skill you're going to need. Right. And it's not uh, cheap. Yeah. And it's not cheap. To have it well done, done well. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And also, uh, you know, I've been I've been a big proponent of like financial planning. Right. Te teaching people how to like you know, when you make money, how to do your taxes, like all that stuff. It's the stuff that you have to sort of learn almost on your own, right? Um, and you don't learn it in school, you know? So it's just things they should add to like the curriculum. Uh, but absolutely, coding is one of those, right? Like technology in, in particular is one of those things that if people want to do it, uh, there'll be an opportunity to do that. So you apply to the program, you get into the program. Are you given an allowance to get educated or are there partners that say, if you're in the program, we're going to educate 10 people a year or how is that broke down? Yeah, it's not stipends. Okay. It's more like what you just said right now. Okay. There's partners and they'll have the money to be able to train people. And so what will happen is when you apply, basically what that tells people is, okay, person is really in need, ready to go, and they want to be retrained in X, right? So then there's a pipeline to that. Okay, well, then you're going to go to the Alamo Community Colleges because you want to do, I don't know, welding or, or whatever you pick, right? Or technology or, or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And then they'll have the program that you then do. But if, if you don't have, for example, like something happens, right? That your car breaks down or something like that. Then you reapply for funds to take care of that. So you're never stopping, right? And some of these programs, we're talking two to four weeks and you're going to increase your hourly amount by $10 sure. an hour, right? Uh, things like this, a CDL, right? HEB mm -hmm. uh, told me that they're looking for forklift operators and it pays good money. Yeah. And, but you just got to go and get trained and get that license and then and then go get that job. I mean, they're there for people to take up right now. Huh. You talked about all the partners and this is going to be an initiative on the ballot that people are going to have to vote for. Who are the are there people that have come out and plan to advocate against this? I mean, who are the sort of opposition forces on this? Yeah, you know what? Um the main thing was the aquifer piece. Like I thought there would be some opposition there because I'm the first to say, like, we got to protect our water. I mean, number one, water. And then let's talk about everything else. Yeah. Right. But they took care of that. Right. Last week, uh, through the city council and guaranteed the funding. 
so I think that people now uh, are, 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 I imagine, right, that because we brought people to the table, it seems like people are happy with the result. So I don't see a lot of opposition out there. There was, I think, with, with the aquifer, there could have been, but that piece was resolved. So I think we have a broad-based coalition of community people uh, that are that are pushing this forward. Um, you know, it's you talked about CDL. I'm glad to hear that because in our industry, I'm a lawyer. You know, I do lawsuits, and sometimes they're against CDL drivers. And one thing I've heard a lot from companies when you're off the record and they're talking is, we are having to employ people that we probably would not have because the oil booms have taken so many CDL drivers and sent them into the oil field. So it's just kind of that, you know, the ebb and flow of the job market. That was not a great paying job at one point, and it's a much better paying job now because the demand is so high. Sure. And I'm sure HEB, with all their trucks, needs a bunch of them. They do, man, and they're ready to hire. Yeah. I mean, they really – Craig Boyan, right, the president – literally is like i have all these jobs that i need to fill and i can't fill them so that's why they're so committed to this yeah no i think it's great you know when ron was on the show he really made a good point to say this has accentuated the problem that has been here for a long time but it has also given us an opportunity to try to approach it kind of overnight i mean there is no ability to sit and wait when this is thrown in your lap and you know, it's not a silver lining to a pandemic, but if there was some sort of way to, um, you know, appropriately address some of the issues that were brought out from this, it sounds like he's trying his best to do it. Absolutely, man. I mean, the guy has really just shown up to be a great leader, right? He's been bold. He's been out, you know, uh, out there having to call out people if he has to. He's been helping the residents, whether it's with housing assistance or paying their bills or with healthcare, or he's really stepped up, right? I, I, I really think he's been steady and he's been bold. And this is one of those things where he's been bold. He said, look, enough, right? Like this cannot be the way we move forward any longer. And we have to elevate our city and elevate our residents. And here's the way we're gonna do it. And he, I, I mean, honestly, like the, the what they're trying to do is I, I'm 100% on board. Uh, I think it's a good good way forward. And I think it's much like 10 years ago when Julian said, we're going to make this the decade of downtown. And everybody kind of was like, okay. And if you remember downtown back then, it was a great downtown, but it was very touristic-centric. I worked downtown then. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so you have to have that vision, right? Like in 10 years, we're going to be this. And in 10 years, we're going to be this. And so that's what this is. It's saying, let's invest now. And then let's see, let, watch what happens in five years. Watch what happens in 10 years. And then our city will change for the better. So how do you build on this? If, if this is some great success is four years from now, the, you know, we put a bond out before our citizens and say, look, this has been such a success. Let's expand it. Is that kind of the way these initiatives or issue type advocacy campaigns work? It's it's very different, man. I mean, everything is different, right? Like that could happen, right? I I personally believe that it'd be great to do this all the time, right? Yeah. Like let's retrain and, and get people better jobs and, you know, always, you know, elevate people, right? But you just never know, right? Because like when the aquifer thing happened, you could have never predicted that the city would say, hey, that's great. 
we're going to keep doing it because we want to keep doing it. And we're going to do this other stuff. So honestly, those conversations haven't been had. Like right now, it's about getting this passed and taking the next four years to set up a great, great program for people. And, and then maybe if it works in a great way, yeah, maybe going back to the voters and saying, what do y'all think? Should we double down? So who gets to vote on this, city or county? City. Just the city. Um, yeah. You know, I know that you're not involved in pre-K for SA like in a real public way, but talk to me a little bit about some of those successes. That's going to be on the ballot again. I'm going to feign ignorance because, I mean, I just know it's a good program. I know that I went to preschool and I'd look around at the kids that went to preschool with me and you just started school a little out ahead than everybody else. So it is so true, man. It is very, very true. What is the data shown in San Antonio with regards to pre-K for SA? Yeah, so basically, man, and look, honestly, I would let them speak to it in a, in a much more robust way than sure. I ever could. Yeah. But what I will say is this, when they thought about doing this, uh, they went out to the community, right? And they did SA 2020, right? And they said to the community, what's the number one priority? Let's build the community we want. Let's prioritize what y'all want and let's go do that. So the number one thing was education, right? So then they looked into, okay, if we're going to invest in education. And that's what people are telling us they want to invest in. What's the best way to do that? And all the, you know, the studies that they looked at, it was pre-K. If you start at pre-K, you start people on a path to success, right? Because you're starting them at that age. You're able to, you know, teach them young and then it, it'll hopefully get them going in the right direction, right? And so everything that I've seen and everything that I've read is that uh, it's been a success. It's been a well-managed program. They've ran a bunch of kids through there and those kids are succeeding. And so, you know, when that happens, you got to just look at it and say, why would we stop? You know, right. uh, but I would encourage you to invite, you know, the people from that initiative yeah. Uh, to talk about it in a really robust way because they can give you numbers and things like that. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, you are out advocating for the campaign. You're trying to get votes. But what about small business owners like me? Are there ways for small business owners or even big business owners who don't know to get involved in the SA Ready for Work program? I mean, do small businesses have a role to play in training? Absolutely, man. I mean, the thing is like, uh, it, it depends on the small business, right? So like if you're in the construction sector, for uh, for example, or you're in the welding sector, or, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're locksmith and that's like a way we can help people. So everybody's involved, right? It's like, what is it that the need is? And then let's, let's retrain those people to do that. And on, on top of that, that's the retraining aspect of it. But also think about the economic aspect of it. If people have more money in their pocket, they're going to spend in the small businesses, right? Which will then help them grow and help our economy grow. Yeah. I mean, it's exponential is what I'm saying. Like at the end of the day, it'll have a ripple effect. Jorge, how do people get more information about the program? Do you all have a website? Absolutely. EssayReadyToWork.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. I know the mayor often posts things on his stuff on social media, but definitely phone number, email, uh, information, frequently asked questions, 
how to contact us. Everything is on EssayReadyToWork.com. And this is on the ballot in November. Is it a, what is it, an initiative, Prop 12? What's it called? Yeah, yeah. So look, as you know, straight party ticket voting is gone. Right. Right? So what's going to happen is me and you are going to walk in there and we're going to have to literally go item by item, mm-hmm. right? Now, yeah, it's going to, we're going to be there for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But these propositions are at the bottom, right? Towards the bottom, you're going to see something that says, city proposition, you know, A and B, right? And so A is pre-K and then uh, ready to work is proposition B, right? Right below it. And yeah, you got to go down. We're number 53 actually on the ballot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like, I think I heard somewhere, it's like 11 pages long or something like that. (laughs) And do y'all want people to vote yes or or is it a yes vote? People to vote for it. Okay. So the the word is for, right? Okay, all right. Uh, Jorge, I want to, you're going to be doing this stuff in San Antonio for a long time. I wanted to get you on here and talk about this because this is coming up in 50 days, right? Yeah. Um, actually about 44 days. Yeah. (laughs) Well, all we're going to hear about until then is a Supreme court judge. So, you know, hopefully people get the story. I think it's great. I think something I've run into as an employer trying to hire people is a workforce that doesn't have a lot of relevant experience, I think would be the best way to put it. And I'm a law firm, you know, I mean, I'm not a technical job. So I think what y'all are doing is great. And I think it would be great for the city. Um, thank you for coming on. If there's anything we can do in the future, I, I'm here to help. Um, I'll get somebody from pre-K for SA as well. Yeah. Yeah. And let me know if you need me to help you out with that. And you know I thank you very ask. much for, for the time and, yeah. uh, just thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to post information about it on our social media and stuff like this. I'll post this up tomorrow is going to be live. Um, but thank you so much, man. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Keep right. doing what you're doing. It's great. I will. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Alamo Hour. Um, thanks again to Jorge for coming on. He's been a longtime friend. He's involved in seemingly everything that happens in San Antonio's political scene. Uh, our guest wish list continues. I think I need to get somebody from pre-K for SA to come on and talk about what they're doing. Uh, everybody, um, everybody wants our children to be uh, fully and well educated. It's good for everybody. It's good for our city. Um, I'd love to get Molly Cox from SA 2020 on because it sounds like her data drives a lot of these decisions and the always wish list coach pop. Um, Thanks for joining us, and we will see y'all next time. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Alamo Hour. You are all what make this city so great. We hope you join us next week. In the meantime, subscribe to our podcast. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash alamohour or our website, alamohour.com. Until next time, viva San Antonio.